Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Taylor Swift, how fascinating that Taylor Swift has not only moved the needle, but a seismic shift in the football world, NFL, and they're all happy to have her. Has there been somebody with this, has there been somebody with this level of impact in decades since the Beatles? And I say that because also she's beloved. So some people have a tremendous impact, but they're polarizing. I mean, she's beloved. And the NFL is about America. And she's America's sweetheart. And her going to the Kansas City Chiefs game and dating a football player that everyone is saying she has put on the map, every woman that is, except for every woman who's a football fan. And it's very polarizing. And there's a big debate because men are getting pissed off that women are saying that Taylor put him on the map and I'm sitting here fighting battles when I realize that he was and is a successful football player and football fans alike across America know that. But football is very American. Taylor is very American and very global. She is an international megastar. She is she her rise is stratospheric. So while it's a touching story that people say that Travis was a gargantuan football star because he won two Super Bowl rings. I get that. But Taylor Swift is next level shit. Well, NBC and Bravo have strengthened workplace conditions for talent. 
and a letter written by one of the heads at NBC, Francis Barrick, who used to be one of the heads of Bravo, she wrote a letter that was either leaked or that people just found. I think it might have been leaked, but said that they're going to strengthen their practices surrounding alcohol consumption, workplace conditions. They said that, as always, people will meet with a psychologist before, during, and after. That's never been the case. No one's ever met with a psychologist before, during, or after. That has to be a new implemented policy. And I did hear that I did hear from a very, very good factual source that already on Housewives, they've really shifted the practices because of the reality reckoning. Now we get to different dum-dums in the Bravo sphere that are saying that alcohol was never forced on talent. First of all, the Bravo sphere is very big and there are many different types of shows. That's like saying that every single restaurant in New York City has the same policies because there are so many different production companies and so many different budgets and so many different shows. So while Housewives is one big franchise and it seems like one big entity, it's not. It's a bunch of different individual franchises, actually. The Housewives overall, well, the Housewives overall is a franchise and each city is a franchisee. So each city as a franchisee, i.e. Atlanta, Potomac, New York, and so on, Miami, they're franchisees. Each franchisee operates their business in a different manner. So one production company runs New York. They could be doing things one way and they could be making their lattes one way and another franchisee is running Atlanta. And it's an entirely different person with an entirely different budget with entirely different circumstances in a different city and they're running it differently. And every production company, and I've worked with many of them, runs their operation differently. So for the dum-dum saying that overall, by and large, they were never forced to drink. Well, they may never have been forced to drink. And no one's ever poured alcohol down anyone's throat that I've seen. But I have seen women drink eight to 10 cocktails and the producers are right there ordering alcohol for every single night. And I've seen producers spare no expense at giving everybody the a la carte list of all the alcohol they want and never intervening in how much they drink. So when you have people under very, very stressful conditions, like cameras on for all hours of the day, like conflict, like verbal abuse, like arguing, like a medium that celebrates you're always winning and you're always losing, meaning someone's always winning, someone's always losing, someone's always getting killed, someone's always being killed. So therefore, what sounds like a great idea? Grabbing a drink. Why? You're activated. You are heightened. Your nervous system is at a 10. Your nerves are shot and you're thirsty because you're dehydrated. So an alcoholic beverage always seems like a great idea. But is it? So while the dum-dums want to say, yeah, no, alcohol wasn't forced on people, it's something that is very much nurtured welcomed, celebrated, honored, and also rewarded. You get wasted. You get fucked up. You do a crazy thing. The scene does well. The ratings are good. You get renewed. Like, that's how the thing works. So don't fucking bullshit a bullshitter that ran the game better than anyone's ever run the game. So 
and I left twice. Anybody fired speaking on matters about the housewives is disgruntled and probably doesn't even know how the real game works because they never had any real power or any kind of position. Um, and I think it's to, I've applauded the fact that by whatever means were necessary, that the Bravo sphere has put it into the universe that they're tightening up workplace conditions. Because if there wasn't, if everything I said didn't exist, why would there be a need to tighten it up? Because Bethany Frankel decided I had some, it was a beside that I was a force to be reckoned with. All of a sudden, now a multi billion dollar public company is going to issue a letter and a public statement saying that they're going to change their policies on alcohol and workplace conditions because I said it. Yeah, there must have been a problem. I, must, I mustn't have made it up. So the reckoning is real. And it's not easy to ruffle feathers. It's really not easy to do the right thing. It's not easy to have a voice. And it's so much so that so far that I know of, three reality talent personalities have come forward and wanted to publicly share their story with me on this podcast. And all three of them, all three of them have been blocked, banned, strongly discouraged from associating with me, saying that they will be unemployable if they align with the reality reckoning in any way. And I am the reckoning. So that's number one. Two production people have told me that they also have been told in no uncertain terms that they can't work with me or they won't work in the reality sphere. That's on the production side. So, so far it's been five people that in one way or another, Bravo has said they cannot come on the show or they cannot work in any area of production with me. Now, I don't care because the people in power, meaning the people at studios, running agencies, running the industry, the people at SAG-AFTRA, the people in the media, they all know that I'm right. And they are all on the right side of history, and they all know that I'm doing the right thing, that are being moved around the board, and they're nervous because they don't want to fuck around with their livelihood. And it's not unlike any other industry when people are told to shut the fuck up and be quiet. You're a camera person. You are a sound person. You are a producer. You saw shit go down, but you need to work in a time when there's a big strike and actors can't work and people on... um scripted programs can't work, you are grabbing every job you can. And even though you know it's fucked up and you're watching what's gone down, you don't want to fuck around with the realm either because it's providing you your meal ticket. And it's why Candy and Erica Jane and other people have said it doesn't affect them because they can handle themselves. Like I said, I'm sure people, you know, before me too, were walking around offices where people said nice tits and these women said, oh, it didn't affect me because I can handle myself. I worked at the Today Show during that era before the Matt Lauer fallout. I can handle myself. It didn't happen to me. So I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to lose my job. Well, that reckoning was real. Black Lives Matter was real. And the reality reckoning is real too. So those people making these big statements are basically just saying, I want to protect my own paycheck and therefore I'm kissing the ring when they all know that everything I've said and everything that I'm doing is entirely correct. It just is correct. And I also want to bring up other people in the whole 
reality sphere that want to bring up my failures. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing at all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I've had many business failures. I've had show failures. I've had product failures. And I've had some failures that I'm glad were failures because I didn't want to do them. Those are the most fun failures. Like the ones where like you kind of get out of jail free because you don't have to continue with it. And I've had ones where I should want to do it and I've backed out where I've been making so much money, not unlike leaving reality TV. You're making so much money, but you want to back out. Or you have a production deal, but you just don't want to do the things you're supposed to do. And you don't want to be partners with the person you're supposed to be partners with. So you find a way to get a loophole to get out of the deal. Um, And without failures, you can't have success because failure, that's the case law for successes. The only way to succeed is by using all the examples of what you did wrong in your failures and what you did right in your successes and using that in future cases. It's why I'm so successful. But overall, and it happens a lot in, in, the, in the reality TV space where people want to comment and say that I've had so many failures. I have a podcast that has astronomical success, incredible downloads, like next level. I have a mocktail that's crushing it, a beautiful, gorgeous wine. I created... I invented a category in cocktails. Every single low-calorie cocktail that you see is because of me. Every ready-to-drink cocktail that you see is because of me. Every celebrity brand that's really successful in the cocktail space is because of me. I I am more successful now than at my top dollar day on Housewives. I make more money now than I ever have since the very beginning. So the reason for that is because of my failures. All of my failures have been sewn into this incredible success quilt. And you won't find a very successful entrepreneur who hasn't had so many failures. You know, ask Mark Cuban, ask Kim Kardashian, ask any very successful person, any billionaire. They've had probably as many failures as successes. And it's part of it. Because when the stakes were not as high, they learned the lessons that when the stakes became high, They could utilize. Kim Kardashian had a failed credit card and failed probably, I think, a hair product or tanning product, quick trim diet. You know what? She didn't make those mistakes now when we're in the big leagues with skims and with makeup. So fuck around with quick trim and fuck around with whatever tanning and credit card because now we're in the big leagues where she's playing with real big girl billionaire money and you don't want to fuck around now. But she has all the case law of all those years and all the case law of any failures her sisters and her mother. I don't know where Kylie Swim is anymore. I don't know where Kris Jenner's cleaning products are. You know why? It doesn't fucking matter because I know where Kylie's lip kit is. And so many housewives want to talk about My failures. Oh, she had a show that didn't get picked up. That's the reason for the reality reckoning. First of all, false. I walked away from the show. I had a show that Bravo wanted about the suburbs that I walked away from. It's all coming out. I have all the receipts. But I just want to illustrate that people run their mouths off and they don't know what they're talking about. And 
failure is critical to success. Just remember that. When you feel like you're failing and you feel like you're thinking about all the things you fucked up and did wrong or even just one failure and that that's going to define you, shift it upside down. It's just case law. It's something that happened that is an amazing and valuable lesson and whatever it was, it won't happen again. And whatever you learned during that experience, it won't happen again. And whatever happened during your successes, you'll make sure to double down. It's very important to embrace your failures and also to embrace others' failures too. Does it mean Anderson Cooper is not successful because he had a failed talk show? Does it mean he hasn't accomplished anything in his career? Does it mean anything that Kim Kardashian was working with Quick Trim? Does that mean anything today? I don't think so. You got to hit. It takes a long time and you got to kiss a lot of frogs before it becomes a prince. But only dummies call out other people's failures as if it defines them. The Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas drama is interesting. The mistake that we're all making is reading the media as if they're tea leaves, as if they say anything. Because Joe Jonas said something about Sophie as a parent, right now, first we thought, oh, she was an absentee parent. Then it became the queen of the North is the queen, and he's really the absentee parent, and he's trying to paint her in a bad light because his PR team went first. Then it goes to um, she wants to take the kids to the UK because that was the deal that they have. And then it goes to he's illegally keeping them in the States. And it's back and forth and it's back and forth. And it's basically a terrible game because they will keep hitting the ball back and forth like any divorce, like any non-celebrity divorce. The ball keeps getting hit back and forth. The last person who hit it thought they got the last laugh. Then it comes back even stronger on, on the person who just hit it. You think you hit the ball. You got a clean shot. Fucking is going to come back and whack you in the face. It will go on. It's a breeding ground for gossip until the thing is locked and settled and shut down until the, until everything is done. The divorce is final. This is how much money this person's paying. This is where the kids are going to live now. And then everyone shut the fuck up. It's the muck right now. And the muck is terrible. The only thing I will say is the last time I've seen a situation where one parent wants to have the kids move to another country was with Kelly Rutherford and her ex-husband, the woman from Gossip Girl. And in the beginning, everybody was really team Kelly and thought it was all Kelly. And he seemed like a monster because he had done something wrong or illegal or something with business. And she wanted the kids to be here. And we will never know the full details, but all we will know is that the kids were living in the U.S. And somehow, somehow, those children moved to France. And Kelly Rutherford every week had to be on an airplane back and forth flying coach to see her kids because it was sucking up all of her money. And she had spent all her money on lawyers trying to get her kids. And her kids live in France with the dad. So they took the kids away from a mother because of some fucking around that was going on. And I don't know what it was, but you cannot play around in matters of divorce. You can't get cute. You can't try to play to the court of public opinion like Kanye did. And you cannot fuck around with the real court. So the two of these Sophie and Joe are doing it wrong because it will only damage the whole situation. Then they both have to find a way to align. And it would be very challenging for her to get those kids moved to another country, even if that was some sort of an arrangement, because he can say that that arrangement was made because that he agreed that the kids would live in the UK because he thought they were going to stay together. And like, there's just so many subplots. I've experienced it myself. Believe me. 
I've experienced it myself specifically. I was going to do a talk show in LA. And the reason we didn't do the talk show in LA was because I think that there was a fear that then what if the kid, what if my daughter would then have to live in LA? I don't want to get into details about my own stuff right now because it's not really about me. I'm just saying, take it from someone who knows the Sophie and Joe thing is a mess. And when you're dealing with international custody, it can get real gnarly. And just look at Kelly Rutherford. Look at Kelly Rutherford. She does not have custody of her children. They live in France and she lives in New York. That sounds like excruciating torture. So these two need to tread lightly because just because everybody on TikTok says you're queen of the North or he's king of the South, it doesn't mean dog. doesn't mean shit. They just have to be quiet, tell their representatives to shut the fuck up, settle, and then they can make all their, you know, it's, it's they just got to try to keep everything private as possible, as possible. It's so tempting. It's so tempting. It's just fuel. It's literally gasoline on the fire. Joe is saying that it's misleading that he was withholding the daughter's passports. Yes, there are things that go on. Like one one year I'm supposed to hold the passports. Another year my ex is supposed to hold the passports. That that comes out in a custody agreement. Who's holding the passports? Think about it. Say you're, you've got a terrible contentious situation and you're just worried that the ex is going to like not want you to make your flight and like pretend that they don't have the passports at the last minute and you get anxiety about things you think you'd never get anxiety about. Passports are a tremendous source of anxiety. And the average person thinks, what the fuck? So, no one's going to keep the passports. I've had weeks go by where you're still emailing, can I get the passports? Can I have the passport? Can I have her passport? You're just worried. It's like wanting to know where passports are is a very big thing. So... He's saying it's misleading. Maybe for whatever reason, he was nervous that she was going to take the passports and take the kids to the UK. I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't know either of them. I don't know the situation. I just know the dynamics that can exist. It's not easy. And everything sounds like a good idea when you're in love. And it's why you have to have a prenup and a postnup if necessary. You've got to get the shit organized. And everybody only focuses about the money in a prenup. It's always about the money. No one does a custody prenup. Okay, Joe, we have kids. What happens? Let's write the prenup now for the custody. Where would the kids live if we broke up? What kind of schools would the kids go to if we broke up? You know, that's why decision-making is more important than custody time. Everybody in divorce thinks that custody time is the most important thing because the baby's young and you just want to be with your baby. That's not the important part. Your kid's 13 is having emotional issues. Your kid's 16 is doing drugs. Your kid has anxiety. Your kid has asthma. Can't live in an area where you can't breathe. One parent's going to have to make a fucking decision. That's why decision-making is most important. So what matters with Sophie and Joe is going to be who gets decision-making. But decision-making does not include what state or country a kid lives in. That's like a bigger custody issue. That's a major custody issue. That is not like you get decision-making and you get to decide that the kid's now going to live in UK. Decision-making means education, medical, like those types of decisions. Like will the kid go to camp? Religion is something too that has to be worked out in the beginning. You could be dating someone. You could be engaged to someone. It sounds great. Sure, I'll come with you to church sometimes. Yes, you can come with me to temple. Yay. And it's all cute because you're in love. You'll do anything. Then you're married. You don't want your kid to go to temple because they, they, you want them raised Christian. Or you you say it's okay that they were baptized Christian. That's okay. But you don't want your kid going to church every Sunday. Maybe you don't want that. Maybe they don't want that. Maybe you want your kids to be able to go to the high holidays if they're Jewish. 
What are the things that matter? Lay this shit out ahead of time. It is not cute, it is not romantic, and it is not sexy, but it is entirely necessary. Otherwise, don't get married. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.